0: So, what about the awards?
1: Yeah. Um, So, the regular season's been over for a long time. Long while now. And we're about a week and a half away from the award show, the first First ever ever. televised... With Drizzy Drake. Drake on stage, (laughs) handing out awards from two and a half months ago. Um, So, I I don't think it's any great surprise that Westbrook is going to be the MVP. Yeah. Everybody knows about the triple-doubles. Yes. Um, but I think the, the main thing that so many people, and even your casual fan, can get behind with Westbrook is the intensity that he brings every single night, every single play. I mean, he kind of is that cliche that everyone wants of he just goes hard all the time. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what the team's record is. Uh, he is just trying to uh, destroy the rim. <laughs> On every single play every single occasion and um you know and you put a chip
0: on his shoulder this year and it just continues i think that chip just got a little bit bigger yeah a little bit bigger especially with kevin durant winning the championship it's like it made it feel like westbrook was what was holding him back almost so it's like now
1: you could kind of make that argument but, in but terms of late game offense hold,
0: and let me let me take a step back yeah let me take a step back I don't think it says as much about Westbrook as a player that Kevin Durant left as it does about Sam Presti and their front office and the way they manage the team. I think that's what a lot of people didn't really look at and didn't really analyze is that how what's the track record of Oklahoma City? Were they really going to make this team better? And when you look at the moves that they made, the marginal moves that they made trading away Serge Ibaka, the marginal move to, to trade away... Reggie Jackson, it's like anytime they get a player that's serviceable who they think they're going to have to pay a little bit too much, it's like, okay, now we have to try to get as much as we can for them at this time. How are you as a superstar, how do you feel that that's going to be the best situation for you to maximize your prime if the ownership is not putting the best possible team out there for you? If
1: you look at almost every single trade they make, they were giving up the more talented guy. The other team was getting the more talented guy, and they were getting... You know, a number of guys in return, and some future hope with a team that you know went to the finals as a very young team, a bunch of 21-year-olds going to the finals. Um, Obviously, an an amazing base to build a team off of, and between the trades to dump salary and dump talent,
0: dump trades, and
1: the inability to sign those kind of veteran free agents. I mean, I always go back to the example of. two three years ago paul pierce and vince carter were both available paul pierce went to washington and sort of like wasted a good a good year good year for him you know basketball wise i mean he he hit a game winner and a should have been a game winner in a game seven in the corner and, and you could kind of tell that that was that was his last year of really playing exactly, full paul pierce basketball and Damn it, if you just put him on Oklahoma City that year, that's yeah. a much more interesting team. Because it is, it is. Because late game, you put him in the corner, he's going to hit that shot. Um, now you have to guard all those guys one-on-one. And, you know, in, instead of having Roberson out there that makes the defense give an easy decision, yes, please shoot the corner three, please Roberson. Shoot the three. Right? If you have Paul Pierce out there, um, and, and same thing with Vince it Carter. changes everything. Vince Carter is... More or less became the same kind of player at that point in his career. He has. Who could shoot the ball really, really well. Tremendous change. Very clutch. Um, you know, true professional. In, in just, He's going to be there. He's going to be ready. Um, you know, these guys were available. And when you have two of the best players in the league um, and you're already clearly a playoff team, that should be an easy selling point to make to free agents. You should easily be able to say, look, sacrifice a little bit and come here. Um... And the fact that they were unable to do that, I mean it really falls on management. Um, and we were talking about this earlier because um, Scott Brooks gets a lot of,
0: a lot um, of flack.
1: a lot of flack for the late game offense and substitution patterns and stuff like that. but you know so much of that is the front office not filling those holes on this on the roster and not giving them the kind of talent that you know just makes it easier to plug in different guys in the lineup
0: it does. I mean, because when I look at it, or oh, like when you hear the tone about Sam Presti, great GM. I mean, he comes from that San Antonio tree. So, I mean, you know the smarts, the savvy has to be there. But the way he's managed Oklahoma City over the last couple of years has been truly disappointing. I feel like Oklahoma City could have had – they could have had the team that the Warriors have now. Yeah. When you look at – they could have had Reggie Jackson coming off the bench, which probably wouldn't be feasible at the contract you want, with a Cameron Payne. Who, if he didn't get hurt this year, I think he would have had a great season with Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Sergi Baca, Jeff Green. Yeah. They had a bevy of players where they if they would have kept that group together, they could have an amazing team right now. But I think one thing that happened, or that didn't happen, that would have turned around Oklahoma City in my opinion was the Tyson Chandler trade. Yeah. I think if they would have got him in two thousand and twelve, they would have won more than one game. And they were smart enough to try it. They were. Uh I mean, he didn't pass the physical, obviously, until later on, and then that's when he went to Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. But it's just like, if they were able to pass someone at physical, I think he was a piece to have that rim protection, other than Kendrick Perkins, because I feel like he could do a little bit more offense with the lob. Absolutely. Him and Westbrook on the lob. Oh my gosh, that would have been deadly. Right. Deadly. We we saw Jeremy Lin and Jason Kidd, what he did in New York with Tyson Chandler, and Especially what Jason Kidd and him did in, in Dallas together. Or look
1: at how Steven Adams is able to be that compatible with, uh, with Westbrook exactly. now. But Chandler at that time had a lot more athleticism. And
0: he was an enforcer. Yeah, I feel like they really didn't have that voice of an enforcer on that team. And when Kendrick Perkins came, he became that somewhat. But he was in a diminished, a limited role of what you expect from Kendrick Perkins. Not and he's not he the athlete much. that Chandler exactly. is he's or, not, or he's even not. Steven Adams
1: is. Um, so, yeah, I, there, were, there were so many missed opportunities for Oklahoma City, and, um, you know, there's so much talk about the Westbrook versus Durant thing, but, you know, I think maybe the, the right way to, to color it is a well-run team versus a team that isn't run well. I mean, the Warriors didn't make those dumb moves. They drafted well. They held on to those guys. They didn't trade Clay Thompson when things weren't going well.
0: It's, I'm um, going to cut you off, but isn't Golden State considered a small market as well? Yeah. I mean, even I mean, though it's in California. They were a team that... They're in Oakland, a yeah. smaller city. It's not Los Angeles, the biggest city. So they kept their core together. I think... And this, what it reminds me of is that scared money doesn't make money. And it's like, if you're going to hold back and say, okay, we can't pay the luxury tax for our great players, then it's like... You don't want to win championships. You don't want to keep them head, You don't really care about your fan base the way you say you do. You know, it's just small things that can help you to win a chip. It's just like, I don't feel like Oklahoma City was doing those things. And
1: it's such a crime because they drafted so well. They did. I mean, it's they hard did. to think of a better record of drafting talent and amassing that all in one unit and having them all at the same time. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it's just such a missed opportunity. And you look at a team like Golden State – and, you know, they were able to get Iguodala. They were able to get Sean Livingston. Uh, nobody wanted Sean Livingston. You know, uh, teams were not taking a
0: chance on him. I mean, the season that he had with Brooklyn, right before he went to um, Golden State, it was like, wait, whoa, maybe he's back. Because he played really well for them. Service he's real solid. He was. And so when you looked at, I guess Oklahoma <laughs> Oklahoma City, I keep calling them that. I guess the Warriors, they saw that Sean Livingston and said, we can make them... A great piece. When we look at what he did in Game One, was it 2015 Finals where he scored 20 points? Yeah, in the he won that game? game. He basically won a game by himself. It's like how many role players are actually going to win a game by themselves in the finals? You only get that few and far between. It's always the superstars who come through. And so, but all of that, I think that makes the case for Russell Westbrook, and and how he has to be the MVP of the season because of all the non-moves and the bad moves that Oklahoma City has done and what he's still able to accomplish. And it's just the pure fact that it's a triple-double. Like, everybody won't look at the numbers oh the record. You can't win the MVP with having less than 50 wins. Who cares? This man did something that I don't think anybody's going to do again. Like, LeBron James didn't do it, who was the triple-double machine. To average a triple-double for a whole season and you're scoring more than 30 points? Like, there's no other player who's up for the MVP award who scored more than 30 points.
1: And I don't think their, their record really should be as much of a negative as people think it is. Because I, find me one person that thinks that they underachieved based on wins and losses. When that season started, I did not think that they would be a guaranteed playoff team. right? I didn't think they'd be matched up. for the AFC. Uh, right. With maybe Sacramento and teams like that. Right. Um, the, I think they massively overachieved. They did. Given the talent they had. And obviously that's entirely Russell
0: Westbrook. I mean, when you look at the playoff series that they played, it's like you saw exactly because the playoffs is where you make your money. And there was really nobody else from Oklahoma City who was basically contributing for them games. They just didn't have enough. They didn't. And so it was like just off the effort that Westbrook gave, putting people in certain positions, passing the ball at certain times, saying, you know what, I'm going to put it all on my shoulders at this time. I think just that – even though you're not supposed to factor the playoffs into the MVP race because it is a regular season award, but I just think it showed you how less he was, like, how— How little he had to exactly, work it Exactly. There we go. Like, he, he didn't have much, and everybody else had better players if you look at what James Harden had. Absolutely. He had— Luke. Perfect team for exactly. him. Exactly. He had better players on his team. Eric Golden, Ryan Anderson, Lou Williams, all these players who can shoot shots for reason a Ariza, a great player, and he defends, which keeps James Harden off the, the best wing players. So I was like, you have the perfect situation. And I think that same knock on James Harden for the MVP is probably going to be the same knock on Mike D'Antoni when we talk about the next award for Coach of the Year.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like Harden was kind of in the perfect situation with D'Antoni, D'Antoni was kind of in the perfect situation with Harden and all the shooters, uh, and at the You know, Daryl Morey philosophy of, like, yes, go ahead. Be crazy and shoot 53s a game. Um, So, you know, you could say that D'Antoni was Coach of the Year because of the record that they put together. But all he did is what he always does. And, you know, I I think that team was perfectly suited for him. And when when you look at some other teams that overachieved, like the Boston Celtics with Brad Stevens, Yes. Um... Number one seed. The San Antonio Spurs with Coach Pop.
0: Another 50-plus win season.
1: And the first season without Duncan. And, you know, it kind of wasn't obvious that he (laughs) wasn't on the roster. It wasn't. When you look at how that team was run and Mm -hmm. how that record went.
0: We missed Duncan at certain points, but when you look at how the team operated overall, it didn't didn't look like much had changed. Um, And that's the Pop effect for you.
1: And just like LeBron should win MVP every year, you know, Pop should win Coach of the Year every year. And, um, you know, this year, you you could certainly make the case, especially when you talk about, and I'm jumping ahead to the Uh next award, but obviously Kawhi Leonard is Defensive Player of the Year. But that has a lot to do with the preparation uh, and the scouting reports that Coach Pop and that coaching staff puts together. I mean, he reads the scouting report, follows it to a T. To a T. And that's a perfect marriage of, of preparation. So, you know, it, find me a really good defensive player who is not on a good team with a good coach. It, it, it usually doesn't happen that way because defense is so much about effort and paying attention to the details. Um, and, you know, in a year, like I said, without Tim Duncan, where the Spurs kept doing Spurs things, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got both Coach of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. I
0: mean, there's many, there's a, a bunch of directions you could go because there's so many different storylines with coaches. When you look at it, like the job that Scott Brooks did in Washington his first year, they did with that roster. Comeback Coach they, of the Year. They kind of had a slow start in the beginning of the season, but they picked up at the end. Then you look at a play, a coach rather like Eric Spostra and what yeah. he did with Miami. Oh, my God.
1: What an amazing second half amazing. of the season. Amazing.
0: If Deion Waiters didn't, doesn't get hurt down the stretch, I think they're, they're fighting Chicago playoffs. for that eighth seed. Yeah. When you look at the job that Jason Kidd did with that young roster, even losing Absolutely. Jabari Parker, Very so there's there's so many ways you can go with the coach of the year. But for me, honestly, I think the coach of the year goes to Brad Stevens to so win number one seed in the West, something that East. no thank you <laughs> in the East, something that nobody expected you to do. I think that gives you the coach of the year right there, like the. Narrative of the whole season was Cavs are going to take the East. Cavs are going to take the East. And for you to get the number one seed and say, okay, well, we're here. We're not playing for next year. Even we got the Nets pick. We're not playing for the for the lottery. We want to win now. We want to yeah. make our claim now. Maximize. Get this experience now so that when next year comes and we have these more experienced players and then we get maybe a rookie or two or maybe a free agent to come over, we can actually compete. But I think just from an X's and old standpoint, The way Brad Stevens puts his team in the right position, regardless of whether it's the first unit or the second unit. Coming out of a timeout. Exactly. His out-of-bounds plays, I think he's only second or third, rather, in out-of-bounds plays the pop and Steve Kerr, if you ask me. So I I would give it to Brad Stevens because he's an up-and-coming coach on an up-and-coming team who overachieved. And I don't think anybody else really did anything as far as seeding-wise or as far as coaching is concerned from a coaching standpoint to make their team better than him.
1: And just like when a team gets a number one seed and you can make the case for MVP in that sense, it's pretty hard to not make the case for Coach of the Year for a team that makes a number one seed. Exactly, exactly.